welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Show, where we inspire, impact, and influence other immigrant entrepreneurs and give a platform to those who share their stories. My guest today is Karim Karashni. Welcome to the show, Karim. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And Happy New Year to you and your audience, as we are first week of January. <laughs> Same to you. Thanks for being here. I know you're a busy guy, and... Um, Really appreciate you being here. So, Karim, where are you right now in this world? Oh, I'm currently on an island uh, off the coast of Malaysia. <laughs> so uh, it is actually 11.30 p.m. right now. Um, I've been traveling for about a year and a half. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I landed in, in Malaysia for the past few months. And it's, uh, it's great for those who've never been to Southeast Asia. Highly recommend. Perfect. So I believe that's not where you're from. I hear a little bit of French accent. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah, please, please give us an idea of um, where you were born, raised, and what brings you to Malaysia. Sure. Okay. Um, are you ready? Are you going to take some notes? Because it is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born in Canada. Uh, in Montreal, um, from uh, uh, parents from Algeria. My parents are from uh, Algeria. My dad is actually half French, half Algerian, and my mom is fully Algerian. They were finishing their studies in Canada. I was born in Montreal. I lived there for about two and a half years, so I don't have you know any memory. Um, then we moved back to Algeria, lived there for about four years. I have some memories. And when I was about seven, we, we moved to France. Uh, we, so since we had our, you know, my grandparents there and some family there, a quarter of my family actually is there. Um, and I spent 18 years of my life in France, in Lyon, uh, which is pretty close from Switzerland where, where you were around that time, funny enough. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so I'm both Canadian, Algerian and French in terms of citizenship. Uh, but then I moved back to Canada at the end of my studies. Uh, I did a, a master's degree in MBA, um, and I got the opportunity to go somewhere. So I went to Canada. I wanted to check out that country, you know, where I was born. And I've never mm. been, you know, since I was two and a half. <laughs> so I went there in 2014, spent nine years in Canada, out west, half the time, the other half uh, out east on the east coast. And then I went to Kuwait to get married there to uh, uh, my, uh, my wife, who is Syrian, but grew up in Kuwait. Uh, wow. And then we moved together to Malaysia. <laughs> wow. What a life, man. <laughs> so where we, we have a pretty complicated combo. I don't know how we're going to mm. be able to explain that to our kids when we have kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where, where am I from, daddy? I, uh, <laughs> forget Exactly. It. You know, when people, so, so I can obviously relate to that. When people ask me sometimes, hey, where are you from? I'm like, obviously, I was born in Iran, lived, lived a few years there, and then moved to Switzerland. Then, you know, had to go back to Iran, then came back to Switzerland. And now Dubai, I live in right? the US, Dubai also. Yeah. So I have so many, you know, and the good we'll thing about it, the good thing about it is there is so many things that you can pick from every place that you have lived in. Yeah. And so many things that you can learn and relate to. And at the same time, I'm like, hey, when I, when I talk to other Iranians, they don't, or at least those that live in Iran, they don't, they, for, for them, I'm like Swiss. When I yeah. talk to my Swiss peers, for them, it's I'm true. like some exotic version of someone who was not obviously yeah. born in Switzerland. So 
but I, I see it as a great thing, you know, to, to have experienced and still experience all these things. And, um, yeah, man, that's maybe also something that I, that I am so excited about creating this immigrant entrepreneurs community and show, because we all have something in common that we all can relate to and talk to one another for, yeah. for, for when, hours. When, when people ask, I, I don't often answer. Obviously, I don't always answer in, in that much detail because first, you know, you never know what people are asking. Are they asking where my origins are from, you know, my roots um, or, or where, you know, where I, I, I live? So I usually say, you know, I'm from everywhere or, you know, whatever country I'm in, you know, I'm from Malaysia. I live here. So I, I mm. you know, um, but uh, it's, uh, and I get asked that a lot, especially when you don't look like, everyone else around, it's usually mm -hmm. the first question, even before, hello, where are you from? And I'm like, mm. it's none of your business. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't answer that, but that's sometimes what comes to mind. <laughs> so is Malaysia pretty much as, let's call it as international as Singapore is, or what is it? Because I've been to Thailand, I have been to where else have I been to in, in Asia? Yeah, Thailand a couple Thailand, of times. You've been to Bangkok? Yes. Yeah, so I would say it's very similar to, to Bangkok. Uh, in, okay. Actually, it's a, very similar to Thailand in a lot of ways. Kuala Lumpur mm. and the, the main cities are just as developed as Bangkok. You have everything there. You have a ton of you know, universities and hospitals and so on. I would say probably even more, more you know, well-developed and, and so on than, than Thailand. And obviously less than Singapore. If you've been to Singapore, mm. uh, it's one of the most developed countries. I, I think it's even uh, more, you know, high tech and cleaner and so on than New York or Hong Kong. Like so Singapore is, is you know, miles ahead of <laughs> every, everyone else. It's, uh, it's very mm. impressive when you go there. Mm. So no, Malaysia is, is a very well developed country. And uh, I think, you know, currently one of the best country to, uh, to be. There is a huge, you know, wave of immigrants, especially retirees or rich people who want you know to uh to uh to to retire in uh um in those countries because the cost of living obviously is very low you know maybe a quarter uh the cost of living in north america but you have everything you need uh the the weather mm. is consistently 30 degrees celsius so about 90 degrees you know fahrenheit um people are super nice super friendly it's very harmonious very peaceful there is, there is very low crime. It's super safe. Mm. Um, they're not at war with any other country. You know what I mean? Right. So all of that combined, <laughs> uh, great food as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So all of that yeah. combined makes it a really, really good, good country mm. to, uh, to be in, to raise children or to retire, by the way. They have very good right. schools too. Right. And of course, you know, as, as I was listening to you, I reminded myself, of course, I've been to uh, to Thailand a couple of times, to China a couple of times, and to Hong Kong two times, I guess. So um, yeah, I'm familiar with the area, but yeah, okay. What does it what does it look like in terms of being immigrant entrepreneur friendly and living in Malaysia? You know, when it comes to visa and and mm -hmm. having a business entity there and stuff, what does it look like? Yeah, um, so obviously, you know, I mean, I I, I didn't really. As of now, immigrate to Malaysia. I'm still, you know, considering mm -hmm. myself uh, as a mm -hmm. nomad entrepreneur. Um, the immigration side, you know, we'll talk about it uh, later. But that was, uh, you know, Canada and other countries. Um, but um, they do have some really good visa. I mean, one, the one that I applied for, I'm still waiting for the the answer. It's called the digital nomad visa. So if you're a mm -hmm. freelancer, you know, or remote remote worker or whatnot, you can uh, you can get it. It's 
the requirements are not very high. It's pretty, you know, fairly easy to, to get. It just takes time, you know, two to three months. Um, and they have for, you know, retirement or, or wealthier people, uh, Malaysia, my second home, uh, where basically that gives you permanent residency. You do need to, to show, um, I think it's a minimum of 10K per month in revenue, US dollars, um, and, you know, a net worth of X. Anyways, you need a certain requirement, but, um, it, it, you know, it is permanent residency. So if you want to, to come retire here or be 50-50, you know, one country in, in, in Malaysia, uh, that's that's a good option if you have if you have the means. Besides that, I didn't to be honest. I didn't look at all <laughs> all, all the options. A um, mm-hmm. lot of the expats that that uh, that I see here, they are on work permits. Some are you know student visa. So there are lots of options. I'm just not familiar with all of them. <laughs> right. So are you about to retire in Malaysia? Not about to, uh, but uh, it is very much an option. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh, we're we're looking at coming back to Canada uh, with my wife. She she finds she got her permanent residency for Canada very recently. Uh, so now mm-hmm. we, we actually are able to, to go to Canada. Her family is there uh, and my family is in France, so not, not too far. Um, and uh, so we will be going back at some point in the next six months uh, and we will have mm-hmm. to stay there uh, for at least five years for her to get her uh, citizenship. Uh, but then, you know, and also you, if we have the means doing, you know, six months, six months, Canada, Malaysia is, uh, before retirement as a lifestyle uh mm-hmm. the winters here the summers there uh it is very much you know on the table yeah mm-hmm. awesome all right man let's talk let's talk a little about entrepreneurship and business in general yes. because i'm 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 all ears <laughs> to find out your your path and your story and what you do right now so um yeah let's get let's go uh, let's go to where you got into entrepreneurship actually I would love to hear about that. What was sure. it like and when was it and how did, yeah. it, how did you get started? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll make a quick uh, uh, summary prior to, uh, to, to starting my first business. Um, so I did an MBA in, in France. Never used it, to be frank. I've never, I've never had <laughs> a normal job, never went to a job interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I had an MBA, I guess I can say. Um, but right. you know, even as I was, I was working, I was doing my, uh, my studies in, uh, in France, um, I was working in sales. I started working in sales. You know, that was my thing. I, uh, I found myself, you know, loving it and, you know, bring pre- being pretty good at it, uh, making good money. Um, and so naturally, when I moved to Canada, finished, you know, my semester there, started working on my thesis, I had to do um, uh, an internship, a six-month internship. And as I, you know, my English was not that great uh, at the time. Um, it was English that you learn at school and, and, you know, people in France don't speak English very well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was, you know, I spent six months in Canada. It was getting better, but it was not, it was not perfect. So I figured, Hey, I have experience in sales. I need to do, you know, an internship and, uh, I want to improve my English and even my selling skills. So I found a job, a great job with uh, a friend who, who hired me, but in a, in a great company named Vivent. Um, uh, so in sales, I was selling a uh, home security system, smart home. Uh, system and talking 2014 2015 so that was very new you know the uh, mm. being able to unlock your door with your phone turn off the light change the thermostat those kind of things <coughs> sorry <coughs> sorry about that I can cut this no worries. <laughs> uh, um and uh, so that was a great experience especially you know for anyone who has done sales on commission that's the you know the best type of sales it's not 
you know, being in retail where you just have people coming and you, you know, you sell them shoes. Now you actually go door to door and, and uh, people are not expecting you. And within seconds, you have to not only, you know, explain what you do, why you're here, get inside their home, uh, do a whole, you know, uh, audit of uh, whatever you need to check hmm. and then sell them. In this case, it was systems that were between five and 10 grand on the spot and with, you know, installments and so on, but still you have uh, sell it on the spot and get it installed same day. So mm, wow. I was pretty, you know, that was pretty <laughs> tough as you can imagine. That's I think a big any, ask. <laughs> that, obviously that's not how you present it, but that's at the end of the day, what, what we were doing. Um, mm -hmm. It had a lot of value, obviously, you know, if it was five, 10 grand, it was worth the, the money, but uh, that was, yeah, that was very interesting experience. Not only in this case for, for my, my language, but you know, sales teaches you so much about yourself and improves you as a person and some soft and soft and hard skills, uh, communication, listening, asking questions the right way and so on and so forth. Tenacity, you know, keep going for five, six, seven hours in a row sometimes. Working sometime an entire week, uh, you know, 50 hours, 60 hours for zero <laughs> because mm. you've made no sales. Uh. Uh, so you make no money, but you keep going because the next week you might make, you know, five sales and you made five or six grand in one week. So, uh, mm. so having this, this tough uh, uh, mind and, and mm. uh, thick skin. Um, so it teaches a lot. And, and the reason why I go in detail is because that's an advice that I give to anyone, not just entrepre mm. uh, entrepreneurs or immigrants, but anyone should have similar experience in sales, at least six months, one year, because it's going to serve you for anything you want to do, especially entrepreneurship. Um, so moving on, that was, you know, my first experience as an entrepreneur, because I was an independent contractor, I was not an employee, I was not a salary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to, uh, to deal with discover, you know, the, the taxes in, in, in Canada, how it works for independent contractor filing it and so on, um, deductions and so on and so forth. So I learned all of that <laughs> with that experience. Um, but also, you know, also finding ways to grow my personal brand uh, in a way and, and not just do door to door. But, you know, then I started to, to hire, to train uh, some, some salespeople, managing them, maybe finding other ways to get leads, especially in the winter in Canada. It's cold. There is a lot of snow. You cannot really go door to door. So you have to find ways. You know, so I, I, I tried a little bit cold calling, maybe some ads online and so on and so forth. So it was not a business per se with the name, you know, carrying uh, alarms. But um, right. I was under the umbrella of that of that company, but I did learn, you know, quite a bit of things. And the most important being the sales experience. Um, mm. And so all of that led me to uh, in 2018, moving out east. So I all this whole time I was in Alberta, for those who are familiar, which is on, on the, the west, um, uh, central west uh, in, in Canada, the Rockies, the Rocky Mountains. Um, so I moved uh, out east uh, on the east coast, uh, Atlantic coast in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Initially, that was to open a branch of Vivent uh, in, in that city because we didn't have an office there and, you know, start hiring and recruiting and so on, which I started doing. But as I was doing that, uh, I noticed a big need in a very different industry, which is cleaning, cleaning industry. Mm. I was hearing, you know, people asking left and right, hey, do you know any good cleaners? Because, uh, you know, all the ones that I tried, they all suck. And I'm looking, you know, for high standard, high quality. Anyways, I didn't know anyone, you know. Is that, was... is that re residential or commercial cleaning? Both. Uh, I was hearing okay. it in particular from um, uh, realtors because I was dealing with realtors for the purpose of, you know, mm -hmm. selling alarms to new homeowners and so on. Um, 
and you know along those um uh those, those connections that i was making i was making friends you know professional professionally and so on um so the need was actually in both residential and commercial that's a mm. great question and that's why um uh, that led me to actually start you know my first business you know in in, in, in every way that i registered that i uh, incorporated and so on named simmates um, which is a residential and commercial cleaning company that I still have to this day since 2018. Um, initially, the idea was um, the angle of eco angle of eco friendly, um, and basically I purchased a, a steamer. If you're familiar, it is a, a or steam cleaner. It's also called. It's a machine that allows you to clean anything uh, with just very hot pressured steam. You don't need any chemicals, so you can clean your windows, your floors, mm -hmm. uh, even your 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 couch. Um, your oven and so on, just by changing the attachment and you have this hot steam that melts the dirt and, and the dust and so on. Wow. So it's really cool. Uh, that's why the company named is Steammates, uh, mm. the, the mates of steam. Um, so, um, so anyways, back to, <laughs> back to my story. Uh, that was mm -hmm. my first business, my first experience actually, you know, running a business. So what I've decided to do was to be hands-on, to put my ego on, uh, ego on, on the side and to actually go and clean people's houses. I didn't have a particular mm. passion for it, but I had a passion to, you know, do a good job and have happy clients and get referrals. The sales aspect, you know, that was, you know, in my blood. So, um, mm -hmm. so I actually found it very, you know, fun and exciting to, to get some clients by different means, find, finding the best way to, uh, to, to find clients, the bigger the, uh, the clients, the better, um, to do a good job and actually learn the cleaning part because it, it, it can be very technical in some ways. What equipment do you use? What product do you use? And so on. How do you do it efficiently? How are you productive? And so on. Um, and, and also to have this, um, you know, I was 28 at that time. So uh, I had the energy to, uh, to, to, to be that busy, meaning doing the cleaning and doing the sales and also doing the management of the business, you know, the advertising and the accounting and so on. So I was working like 16, 17 hours a day. Uh, but it was really fun because um, mm -hmm. I got to learn entrepreneurship, starting a business, all the 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 challenges and hiccups that come with it, and and so on. And as we were growing, um, not only I started, you know, to hire after a few months, obviously, you know, people to help out and then to you know delegate the cleaning aspect. I, I had no intention to be a cleaner. I wanted to learn the cleaning aspect in order to be able to teach it and to uh, to to supervise and manage properly. Um, but also I was recording my journey um, in a, what I call now an operations manual, uh, which is um, all the systems, all the processes, all the ways that I found to do things efficiently and cost efficiently and so on. Um, how to do each type of cleaning, but also how to do my marketing, how to hire, where to hire, what ads. So everything was recorded. And so in a matter of you know, less than a year, I would say even you know, less than six months, uh, actually no, how long exactly? Uh, yeah, eight to 10 months, exactly. Um, I had this operation manual for every aspect of the business. I had hired wow. a team at that point. I think we were between 10 and 15 employees. Um, so I was not doing any more cleaning. I was managing, I was the owner and the manager, but I was not the, you know, the technician anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had all of that recorded. So that's when I looked at finding a manager, uh, to, uh, to replace me fully, um, mm -hmm. and to, uh, to do it. So it took some time to find a, a good manager. But the goal was to remove myself from the process because if I'm not part of the process, I can then mm -hmm. work on 
expanding or duplicating to another city or to find you know large client basically do whatever whatever i'm good at whatever i want to do instead of having mm-hmm. to do anything in the business you know and and you know a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that they're often their own limitation in that aspect because everything everything or some aspect of the business rely on them so they cannot grow because you know if uh, if they have to sign off on on everything the business can go so far you know what i mean absolutely yeah and oftentimes it's also you know having another job that some believe oh now now they own a business but it's basically when they're working in the business it basically becomes a job right but as you said i i really resonated with what you said when you remove yourself from the business and detach yourself from the business and now you instead of working in the business now you work above the business you know then everything becomes different because you also yeah. start to see things that how where you can improve where you can improve where you can grow obviously you still want this feedback and this relationship with the clients but this can also happen with a or through a good manager that you hire you know? exactly and and that's key that's very true uh, once i found an excellent manager her name was peggy at the time um the the challenge was in two parts was to to let go because at that point you know i had the business for one year i was involved in in everything and it, it can be difficult to 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 let go to delegate and have this leap of faith where you where you trust your employees and your manager um, and supervisors and so on, um, you know, for the business to, to, to be done. You know, at that point, sometimes we had three bookings in the morning, three bookings in the, in the afternoon. I obviously could not be involved in any of that. I uh, had no mm-hmm. idea if the job was being done well, if uh, there was this and this issue. Um, but I trusted the fact that I hired good people and I trained them well and they have the operations manual. They know what there is to do. If, um, I don't know, a client cancels last, last minute, one, two, three, four, five. If, um, you know, the cleaners show up and the property twice bigger than expected, you know, the client lied to us for whatever reason, um, mm. we have a whole process for that. You know, if the, uh, the, the credit card bounces, what do we do? And so on. So, um, so yeah, then you have to trust, you know, the system that you have in place. You have to trust your people and take this leap of faith and to let go. And it's actually extremely, you know, uh, it relieves, you know, a big load from, mm. from your shoulders and it's very, um, yeah, it's very freeing. And it's very empowering as well to realize that you're literally making money in your sleep, mm-hmm. <laughs> first mm-hmm. off, um, and uh, and also that you actually have created something, something that really you know slapped me in the face is when I realized that I have employees that are not just you know people who come for a couple of hours a week just to make extra cash, but who are employees full time relying on this on this job, and um, this is their livelihood. They, they you know they they have their mortgage maybe based on this salary and so on and that actually um gives you a big um you know search of a surge of uh you know responsibility and so on that's actually when i realized this is not just a project that i have on the side mm. which was you know what i was kind of thinking mm. for the first year no this is now a business in every way and i have a responsibility to it uh, and to my employees and so on you know what i mean it, so um, yeah absolutely made it me gets up. a different meaning <laughs> right it gets a yeah. different it be, be, you know, it becomes a different project because it has a different meaning now. It's not about only about yourself. And one thing, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hear your feedback on that. What 
happened in my own life, you know, when I was the manager and the business owner, and then at some point I decided to remove myself as the manager. It's also, you know, now I'm making, or at least I think I'm making less money because I have to pay a manager, which would yeah. go into my own pocket, right? That's the yeah. limiting belief that I had first, at sure. first hand, because now I'm, I'm bringing on someone who gets away with my salary or makes my salary. But yeah. here's the thing. Now, that, that's short-term thinking. But long-term thinking is, hey, I'm removing myself from, the, from all the tasks that I had to do. And yeah. now I get, to, I get to think. Now I get to network. Now I get to grow the business in, in yeah. different ways, so many other ways that I would not be able if I was working as a manager in the business. So yeah. I would love to hear your take on that. No, that's that's absolutely true. You, it is um, it is actually surprising, even almost logically speaking. You're like, oh, how can I make more money when I'm delegating everything and I'm paying salaries? But actually, no, that was when we really took off. So we had multiple, uh, uh, you know, points where we we had a big um, uh, increase in revenue and so on. The the first one was when we started tapping in the Airbnb turnover uh, market. We, you know, we started partnering with short-term rental property managers and we did, you know, a lot of Airbnb turnover. So that, you know, added, that literally doubled the revenue, the number of hours mm. um, in the, the schedule and so on. The second time was when I got uh, this good manager because not only um, she, she was managing the team, I didn't have to deal with that, with the issue with the clients and with the employees and so on and so forth. Uh, but also she was, you know, helping with the uh, the business development. So we basically mm -hmm. were two heads in terms of business development, we're two heads in terms of even finding solutions to improve the systems and, and processes that we had in place. So, you know, we were bouncing ideas out of each other and we really, so lowered cost, uh, made things a lot more efficient. She was great at, um, uh, at training the team. So the team was even better in cleaning. We had uh, no, no complaints or very little, you know, uh, uh, complaints in terms of cleaning. So this uh, aspect, was, she was way better than me at that because she had experience in cleaning. That's what I wanted to add, that I had no experience actually in cleaning before. Mm. I hired someone who had years of experience in cleaning. So she was better than me in a mm. lot of things. And I was better than her in some things that I could now focus on, which was specifically, as you mentioned, networking, sales, finding some large accounts. So that's when we got some you know, large contracts, uh, you know, 100K, 150K a year, that again, mm. doubled uh, or almost doubled the revenue, the global revenue, you know, per year. Um, and uh, in all of that, I was also doing it, I was really enjoying my lifestyle, lifestyle a lot more because I didn't have to do anything. I mm. wanted to do those aspects and whatever I didn't want to do, I can delegate it. You know, I, I got mm -hmm. some VA virtual assistants as well for such and such thing, for marketing, for you know, uh, SEO and, and those kind of things. Um, so, um, so yeah, the, the, the quality also of your, of your life and your work life is better. Um, one more thing I wanted to add also in the responsibility side of things, you, you made me think about it, um, is the fact that that's the point also when I realized that um, the position of business owner or manager, it is not being the boss, you know, of those people being their dad and better than you and so on. That's when I really realized that I actually, I work mm -hmm. for them as much as they work for me. We're really, and it sounds almost cliche to say, to say that, but it's very true. Like my job was to have everything in place to let, to allow them to do their job, you know, properly. 
um, if mm. they needed, you know, for example, I don't know, new new equipment or um, or you know better processes, I was you know hearing their feedback and you know doing my best to have better system, a better software for this and that, um, better equipment in place. Okay, I'm going to invest more into uh, into you for you to be able to do to do your job. I you know I paid a bunch of certifications that we didn't really need, but I wanted them to have because it would be good to have. Uh, one is called. Um, uh, Wimis, Wimis, uh, W M I S something, uh, which is, uh, you know, how to handle chemicals, chemical products and so on. We didn't need to have, but it's good to have. Uh, and I, you know, I paid it for all my employees cause you know, I cared about the team cause they were doing mm-hmm. such a great job. They were the one paying, you know, my bills. Uh, so mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure they also, uh, leveling up their own personal scales and, uh, and, and the work they do. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we spent a lot of time on, on, on Steammate. I would add just one more thing in, the, in this journey before moving on to, to the other mm-hmm. you know, business that is my main focus now. Um, so being able to remove myself from the process and also having all my systems and processes in place and recorded was not only great to be able to delegate, um, but also to duplicate. And that's what mm-hmm. I did in 2021. So after less than uh two years two and a half years uh in business we actually literally copy pasted the whole business into another city so i got a business partner a close friend of mine who moved to ottawa the, the capital mm-hmm. of canada and um and we opened a branch there Simmates ottawa same brand uh same website actually that uh that leads to uh to to, to him um same systems processes so you know i was involved in how to get things started uh, remotely, I wasn't even there physically, and you know we reached a certain level of success to this day. It's still operating. It's not as big as Halifax, um, but it is you know still going on. You know, strong, excellent reputation, excellent reviews, and that's in large part thanks to what I built initially in Halifax, uh, the brand, the reputation, the reviews, and the operations manual. That's what allowed us to fairly quickly you know reach a certain success in Ottawa. And honestly, if I had the time and motivation and energy, we could actually do that again and again <laughs> mm-hmm. in multiple cities because mm-hmm. uh, um, it's been a fun experience. I have a question that I, it's sure. sitting on my chest. I have to get it on my chest, you know? Of course, yeah, go ahead. Listening, listening to you with what you said, I recorded and documented everything and, you know, everything was, was pretty much documented that I did for the business. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. Because well, that's, <laughs> that's literally what every business should do and so many don't do it especially the ones that get started here's the thing i have started so many businesses worked obviously when i was younger for other business owners and the first time i'm properly doing this is now with the immigrant entrepreneurs that i'm documenting everything i have sop and everything you know so with you know working with editors i'm also making sop for them they can go back and review and so it's a manual for them my question is where did you learn that man i mean did, did you just wake up and were like okay this is the first business i'm doing and i need to document and record everything or did you learn that somewhere that's a good question and thank you for the kind words first of all i really appreciate that um and uh... I would say it's a mix of a few things. So with my first, you know, uh, the first business I talked about, Vivent, um, uh, because it was tough and you had to, you know, be at your best and so on. One aspect of the training that we were getting is, was to 
really work on ourselves, both physically, you know, we're going to the gym every day and so on, and reading. I was reading lots mm. of books on management, on mindset, on, you know, personal development and so on. Um, so that's, that's the, the first thing. The reason I'm mentioning this is because then when I started uh, Steammate, um, obviously, again, I didn't want to be a cleaner. I didn't want to create a job for myself. So I, I knew from the start I was going to, you know, to delegate and, and, and so on. Um, and as I was doing that, well, I was training people and doing things the way I'm doing it. But when you do, when you train people one, two, three times, and there is a pretty high turnover in this industry. So I was, you know, repeating the same stuff. Mm. Like I'm sick of repeating it. I'm going to put it in writing. This mm. is how, you know, you access mm. the storage, what you have to do at the start of your ship. This is how you do this type of cleaning. This is how you do an Airbnb turnover and so on. So I put it in writing and then I improved it and then I made it nicer and so on. Around this time, because I was still into my personal development and reading and so on, I got introduced to the book, The E-Myth, that you're probably familiar mm, with. Um, yes, and, I and I read it and I was like, wait, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. And, but it actually put a lot of clarity to what I was, you know, to what I was doing, what I had in mm. mind. It actually made it a lot more clear. And that actually stuck to me. That's one of the books that I recommend, you know, the most for entrepreneurs. In, in a nutshell, for those who haven't read it and just read it, it's a quick read. It's, uh, it's very, mm -hmm. very valuable. But the idea is that um, a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make is that they actually have three hats, three positions in one. They are the doer, mm -hmm. the technician. Uh, they are the manager of the business and they are the owner of the business. But you have to realize that those three, three positions uh, are separate positions. And, uh, and, and that's where, you know, you, uh, there is, you know, a whole set of stuff. Uh, advice mm -hmm. and so on, uh, on, on how to remove yourself from each, you know, from each hat and delegate properly. And it talks about the operations manual and systems and processes recorded and so on. So I didn't invent mm -hmm. all of that, but I was already going in that direction from um, actual uh, pain points that I was, you know, pains that I was having in the business, which was mm. not wanting to constantly having to repeat the same stuff and, <laughs> and wanting to delegate because I didn't want to be the one doing the job. I, Mm. Um, I found myself being more an entrepreneur, you know, kind of a wild card and trying things and wanting things to do my own way instead of a business owner when things are, you know, um, when I have to do things a certain way consistently, you know, um, uh, I, I, I get bored quickly or I don't like it. And mm. <laughs> Same here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a problem that Same I here. have, so I have to, if it, there is something in place right. that I'm doing consistently, uh, mm -hmm. actually, I'm going to give you an example that is funny. Um, if there is something I'm doing consistently and I know, you know, how to do it and it's working, I want to delegate it quickly. Mm. Um, now that's where I am at this point. It wasn't the case at that time. I was still learning that now that's where I am. And funny enough, mm. just as a side note for my current business, I realized yesterday, uh, that there is something that I've been uh, doing regularly and, um, I have to do it for, you know, for the business, um, which is to edit, you know, those, some of the videos that, you know, I do on podcasts and other videos I do, edit them, make shorts, captions, and post them on social media. And uh, it's something I have to do because I want to keep, you know, engagement and send some value to people. But uh, I kept postponing it because it wasn't the top of my priority. So, you know what I was asking? I asked my wife, hey, do you want to learn social media management? Mm. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, sure, why not? And I actually hired her officially yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she did that. And she, I think she's actually doing it as we speak right now for the first time. Um, right. Because I found something that I've been doing, I don't really want to do. It's not worth, mm. you know, my time uh, uh, or that's not where I can bring the most value. So just, mm. you know, 
pass it along to someone who can do it better than you, more dedicated and more focused you know, than myself. Mm -hmm. so that's that's mm -hmm. a rule I have. <laughs> speaking, speaking of books, what sales book do you recommend? Because, you know, coming to the US, obviously, I believe Americans are the best salespeople or among the best salespeople in the world. And I'm learning more about sales and I'm really excited. And that's something that I really want to improve on. So do you have a recommendation when it comes to books and sales? Yeah, um, so sales specifically, uh, I remember reading uh, the, I think it's called the, the Psychology of Sale by Brian Tracy. It's pretty mm -hmm. old, it's good, it okay. has lots of good value, but it's, it's pretty old, maybe, uh, I don't know, it was written 30 years ago, four years ago, mm -hmm. something. Uh, so for a book, I mean, it's pretty old. Uh, maybe more than that, maybe 50. Um, but it's, it's still, you know, one of the, the, the pillars in, in the industry. Another one that served me a lot when I was doing door-to-door, -door, it's actually the, uh, uh, the door-to-door -door millionaire, the door-to-door -door right. millionaire. I've heard about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really good book that was actually very practical, very applicable to door-to-door -door sales, but not only it actually does talk also about, you know, um, mindset, like the psychology of sale and, and uh, the customer. Mm -hmm. Um, those are the two that come to mind that specifically about sales. Um, I could. You can probably add, you know, in in description or something, because I know I have others that just, you know, not coming back to sure. me right now. Mm -hmm. But since we're mm -hmm. on the topic of books, the ones that I really uh, recommend um, is um, uh, that really have changed a lot, you know, for me. The Miracle Morning, Miracle Absolutely. Morning by, um, uh, I forgot his name. You know his name? Um, all, all, some, yes. I, I, Al Al something, something like this, yeah. Herald yeah. or Al Al Herald or something. Anyway, yeah, yeah, the Miracle yeah. Morning, really, really good book. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The The Happiness Advantage, which is a, a treaty on the positive psychology, excellent book also to improve your mindset and the way you see success and uh, and happiness. Um, another one, so the E Myth I did mention. Um, whether you like Green Cardon or not, uh, the Ten X right. Rule is a really good book. <laughs> That really right. pushes you. He's a good <laughs> so, salesman, man. I mean, come on. We have to give like it to him. Character. He's a great salesman. I don't like the guy. He's <laughs> yeah. a great sales guy. He's not a great yeah. guy, I think, in terms of That's you know, right. person, yeah. in mm -hmm. my personal opinion. Um, mm -hmm. But he has good books. <laughs> so it is what it right. is. Um, so those are the ones that uh, that I usually recommend because a combo of those, obviously also how to make friends, how to make friends and influence people. Right. Uh, that right. has a huge impact. Um, so those are the ones I usually recommend for uh, a starter entrepreneur, the starter kit. Salespeople, uh -huh. entrepreneurs, and so on. Um, okay. Yeah. So back to my story because I, I want to lead to you know what I do now. <laughs> if that's so okay I with got you. the book. Sorry, I got the book. The Miracle oh. Morning is by Hal Elrod. Yes, Hal Elrod. Hal Elrod. Yeah. That's right. Thank so, you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, long story short, st at that point, teammates, uh, and actually to this day, we have teammate Halifax that is thriving. We have about. Uh, 18 employees right now, including a manager and so on. Uh, we have. So you're uh, not sorry to interrupt you, Karim, but you're not involved in the business in the Steamate at all. You have a manager no. taking care of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, okay. I actually even sold uh, half uh, the shares on on the corporation to uh, to a friend who was somewhat in the industry as a um, uh, as a way to actually remove myself even more and to have right. some uh, cash to uh, to invest my in my next venture actually. Okay. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm away and I'm not at all involved in the business, except just staying in touch. We have meeting with the manager and assistant manager and my business partner once a week, talk about KPIs, talk about, you know, vision, half an hour, mm -hmm. you know, half a week. 
Um, gotcha. I do also still get involved when we have big, you know, large account leads on, on large contracts because again, sales is my strong suit, you know, my expertise. Mm-hmm. So I do want to, to be involved in that, uh, but that's it. Um, Ottawa mm-hmm. also doing quite well, much smaller. They're about five, six. Um, it's still owner operated. My business partner is still involved as, as a, you know, manager, uh, but we're working mm-hmm. on daily on, on, on removing him also from, from the process. Um, and, um, and I'm also, you know, involved, we have one meeting once every two weeks. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. all together, less than five hours per month on, on those two mm-hmm. businesses. So it's, it's where I want it to be, um, uh, right. in order to, uh, again, focus on, uh, this other venture that I started uh, almost two years ago now. Uh, which is with the company named PropertyGuys.com. It's a Canadian business uh, that was expanding in the U.S. And so I um, I came uh, I came across that it's been brought to me actually, and uh, um, I uh, I got involved in um, uh, sorry in a, in a position of uh, franchise development. I'm in charge of their mm-hmm. franchise development for the state of Massachusetts specifically, but mm-hmm. also you know the rest of the U.S. I help as well. So I'm not an employee. Again, I started another. Uh, another business, another corporation. This time I actually got some investors. So I had to do, you know, some fundraising, raising some cap- initial capital um, uh, to buy the rights on Massachusetts. So I basically virtually own Massachusetts uh, in regard to uh, the property guys franchise. Um, so it did require some, some investment. And that was actually an interesting experience to, 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 to fundraise and, and, you know, gather mm-hmm. some, uh, some money. Um, from, you know, family and friends and also some people that I didn't know and have to do, you know, whole page and get them interested and so on. Um, but long story short. Was this short, the first time you raised money? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. The first business I started from my own right. my own pocket and it was not a big investment, like less than, mm-hmm. you know, one or two thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. This time it was a couple hundred thousand. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, which was not huge and we're not talking a million. Um, but it was still a certain uh, amount and I, um, I didn't have that much. I, I was basically the first uh, franchise developer in the US. Um, so I didn't have much data to show in order to, mm. you know, to those investors. So that was a lot of selling the concept, the project, the opportunity and, and so on. Um, that's why it was not that easy, but again, when it's not easy, that's where you, you learn the most. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, um, <laughs> Yeah. So long story short, about two years ago, I launched this uh, this business, and and basically my job is to uh, to obviously advertise, to educate people on this on this model, which is very unique, very innovative, and does not exist in the U.S. at all. Um, so mm-hmm. not only it is bringing a new brand to a new market, but it is bringing a new brand that is doing something very different than everyone else. Um, so that was you know quite a challenge to a state where I'm not from and where I don't live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you see the challenge accumulating here. And on top of that, doing that remotely, because that's around the time I started actually, you know, I, I went and got married and started work, uh, traveling full time. Um, mm-hmm. So I like to add myself some extra layers of, uh, of challenges. Um, but um, it's been a fun experience, especially because the model of property guys is very unique. And so it feels like, pitching Airbnb or Netflix or Uber 20 years ago. You know, it's really mm. being part of a disruptive model that you know is going to change the industry. In this case, it's uh, in regard of the real estate industry. Uh, so mm-hmm. let me do a, a side uh, uh, side note on what is property. You guys. made us curious, man. You have to tell us what it does. <laughs> exactly. I, little teasers. 
Um, <laughs> so what Propregas does, um, if you're familiar with the real estate industry, which is an industry that hasn't changed in over a hundred years, if you want to sell right. property, any kind of property, you have to get a real estate agent, uh, pay a commission, about five, six percent, um, and a whole bunch of professionals like a lawyer and a photographer and a stager and all of those uh, to, you know, that you have to, to, to pay as well. And so your bill at the end of the day, uh, you had a house for maybe 10 years. It, it you know, it, it grew in, in value. And then a large portion of that value that you, uh, you accumulated, you actually have to give it away. It typically costs 30, 40, 50, $60,000 to sell your own house. Not right. to be fair, <laughs> you know, that's what property guys actually came to fix with a model where uh, for a one-time flat fee, you get access mm. to all the services that you need to sell your property uh, efficiently. So again, I mentioned stager, photographer, appraiser, exposure, you know, the listing on the MLS, on Zillow, on Craigslist, Facebook, and so on. Um, the negotiation done professionally, the showings done professionally, the lawyer. So everything is included, but you don't pay any commission. It's only four, five, six grand, depending on, on the package that you choose. Uh, so it's a lot more fair and it doesn't matter how much your your property is worth. It can be a $2 million property. You still pay only five grand and you get it sold the, you know, the same way at the end of the day. Okay. But who is involved in the sales process of the, of the property? Is that the agent that comes through property guys? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are, uh, there are different packages, but to make it simple, we're going to take two. There is the for sale by owner package, the, the, the DIY package. So this actually allow the, uh, the, the seller, the, the property owner to actually sell on his own. A lot of people want to do that. They're called FISBO or for sale by owner. You sometimes see a sign for sale by owner in front of the property. Mm -hmm. um, but often they don't know how. They don't have the knowledge, the experience, the mm -hmm. connections, the services to do so. So we, they would choose this package that would contain just the services that they need, as well as the expertise and the, you know, advising, the hand-holding that they may need. This package might be only one or two grand, by the way. Um, and then mm -hmm. on the other end of the, of, of, the, of the spectrum, you might have the, the, the full service package that might be uh, seven or eight or nine grand max, depending on the market, uh, never more than that. Uh, that contains everything. You're completely hands off. We take care of selling your property. In which case, the process is the same, but you don't have one person, which is a real turkey, being the quarterback of the whole process. The franchisee is not involved with every listing from start to finish. It is a team effort, not only with our technology. So we have a lot of technology in place to facilitate communication and transfer of, uh, of, uh, of data and so on. We have a call center in-house at, at property guys that deals with taking on calls from potential buyers, qualifying them, sending them to the mortgage specialist if they need the mortgage, um, scheduling the showings, then, you know, communication between the buyers and the sellers. So we have basically a team in-house that is specialized in, um, in, in taking each listing from A to Z. And then who does each of those services? We have exclusive partners. So we partner with a photographer, a lawyer, and so on locally, which is the best ones, we partner with them, and they deal with each of those listings. Mm. So you can imagine the opportunity for, again, a lawyer that is going to deal with a large volume of sellers you know, every year. This is a gold mine for them. Um, mm -hmm. And so obviously, in, in, uh, in return, they're going to promote us heavily. So each of those professionals mm. you know, locally will promote the franchisee. Um, mm. And so it's a win-win it's for everyone involved. The client, pays 10 times less 
the um, uh, the, the the professionals um, uh, you know get a large much larger volume of clients than they ever got. And the franchisee, which I didn't mention, it is franchise model. Um, so right. the franchisee who owns this territory works with a large volume of sellers and also buyers if the franchisee is licensed. Um, and and so you know they make they make really good money. They actually make more money than the vast majority of real estate agents. Um, mm. So everyone wins. So what does so obviously because when you started talking about that, I was like, okay, this is another MLS flat fee service, which is not. Okay. Do you no, guys no, no. give um, I might have, uh, way more? You, you have to, uh, I have to apologize because it's midnight here. I might have failed to, to mention that it is a franchise model. <laughs> so right, I probably right. need to touch on this uh, for those who are not familiar with, with franchise. A franchise is basically a business that you purchase. But instead of buying a business um, that, you know, sorry, instead of starting a business from scratch, starting your own brand, your own systems and processes and so on. Like, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've done it before, uh, finding your own clients, finding your own ways, making mistakes, costly mistakes often, hiring, uh, making a website. I mean, you name it. It takes mm -hmm. a lot to make a business mm -hmm. and, and be successful. When you get a franchise, what you're buying in, it is an existing brand, reputation, client database, um, systems and processes in place. You just have to follow the operations manual Usually mm -hmm. there is an operation manual you have to follow. So you know exactly what you have to do. You're not making any, you know, mistakes. Um, you also, you, in, in our case, we also provide the website, the SEO, marketing service, mm -hmm. um, the call center that I mentioned, lead generation. So a whole bunch of things that you would have to go and, and get yourself if you were uh, just, uh, you know, starting your own business. In this case, it's provided to you because you're buying in this franchise. Um, and on, 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 um, um, and so at the end of the day, uh, what I, I was going to say is that, uh, yes, there is a buy-in when you, you, when you get a franchise, uh, but this is way cheaper than, um, the, uh, what you would have to spend if you were to start your own, your own thing from scratch, put a lot of money on, you know, on marketing, on getting the word out there, um, and mm -hmm. making a bunch of mistakes, which again, can be very costly mistakes when you're learning a business from scratch. So it actually makes sense financially. The risk is lowered drastically because you don't have to invent anything. Hundreds have done it before mm -hmm. you. So there is no reason you won't be successful. You have a strong support system as well. So it, it's, uh, it lowers the risk. Um, and, uh, and so you reach a certain level of success, usually much, much faster and much higher uh, than when you start mm -hmm. on your own. So that's, that's what a franchise model is. And in our case, I mean, as I mentioned, um, it is a territory. It is a piece of the map. Uh, in Massachusetts, it might, you know, it might be Boston, Essex County, Cape Cod. For those who are from Massachusetts, I don't know if you have any in your audience. Um, but those are territories that are, are um, uh, an entire franchise. And so that means every listings, every client, every lead in this territory is yours. So you have exclusivity. You have no competition internally. Um, and, um, and that's how, you know, franchisees work on a large volume of, of clients. Right. Is that also a way when you work with, or when you pick your franchisees, is that the way that you look at it? Okay. We don't want competition, obviously, or over competition in a, in an area. So when we have, let's say five in Massachusetts, then we go somewhere else and then, um, get our, get our franchisees in different areas. So we don't, we don't create competition for them? Yeah, so it actually, um, it is a good question. Um, 
at Propriga specifically, I don't know how other, you know, franchise or uh, do, but we actually have the entire, you know, US and Canada already mapped out. So we have all the mm. territories already mapped out. Um, they all have different shapes and sizes because we want them to all have the same potential um, mm -hmm. in the same number of dwellings and, and you know, demographic and so on. Um, so, uh, so they're already mapped out and every franchisee uh, actually end up not only not being in competition, but actually working together. Because you can imagine if you're successful, say in Boston, uh, your success is not going to stop at the edge of your franchise. Uh, it's going to ripple to uh, Salem, Lynn, Quincy, you know, uh, Worcester. Uh, so I'm talking about cities, you know, around it. And so those might be neighboring franchisee that will benefit from your success. You're going to benefit from their success. Their marketing, you know, will benefit you and so on and so forth. So it is very much a team effort. And by the way, this is one of the things that really sold me on property guys from day one uh, is this togetherness. The fact that everyone is on the same boat. There is no competition internally. One franchisee in one side of the, the, the country can call another one on the other side. Uh, for, you know, for help, advice, whatever. We do get them in touch to help one another. Um, and, um, and even within home office, you can call anyone from the call center, from the marketing department, the CEO, the executive, everyone is, you know, approachable. Um, and I think that's amazing. And it, you don't find that often enough in, um, in, in companies, as far as I know. I mean, as I said, I've never mm -hmm. had a real job before. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Why did you guys start at Massachusetts? I chose Massachusetts for a few reasons. I've done some market research uh, in the U.S., not all of the U.S. I chose it a little bit arbitrarily uh, in terms of the market was, um, uh, was right for this opportunity in, in many ways. It was a good mix of different type of market as well, more rural, more, you know, city, you know, large cities, smaller towns and so on. Uh, it was in the same time zone as me when I was in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and where the headquarters is, which is in New Brunswick, Moncton, New Brunswick, same time zone, uh, which makes things easier. I didn't want to be, you know, in California, Hawaii, uh, or, uh, or, you know, right. uh, and have to deal with the, the time zone difference. Funny enough, I have to deal with it now because at that time right. I was not planning on traveling. <laughs> now I'm 12, uh -huh. 13 hours away. Um, but um, uh, also, and also to be close by, because at that time I was still considering either just going back and forth we're actually relocating to Boston. Mm. Uh, that was very much an option. And, um, and then I realized that I could do it remotely. Um, and uh, and it, at, that, at this time, it makes more sense this way. As we grow, as we have 10, 15, 20 franchise, maybe more across Massachusetts and then across New England, I probably will have to relocate there because it's going to be a whole different ball game. But for now, as I'm getting things started, the first few franchisee, um, you know, it's, it's doable uh, remotely, yeah. Okay, and of course, I have to ask you, what does it require for someone to become a franchisee and how much does it cost? Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, and I'm very open and transparent on that, absolutely, because it is, it is made both affordable and highly, highly profitable. So what it takes, uh, we don't require people who come from real estate industry, people who are licensed in real estate, people who uh, have business experience. Those are great assets. It's, you know, they, they, they become top candidates, but we don't require this because we have many franchisees who were nurses and teachers and veterans that had no business experience, but they have this, mm -hmm. they have that drive uh, mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, you know, to build something of their own. They're probably sick of their nine to five 
uh, and they, they want to start, you know, their, their own business. They probably just don't know how or don't know what. And mm-hmm. that's where franchise okay, is the right opportunity uh, for you in these cases, in, the, in this case. Um, or people who just have passion for real estate, but they don't want to become an agent because it's just an overcrowded mm-hmm. industry. There are too many agents. They all do the same thing. They all have the same value proposition. So they want to come to something where they don't have to get their license because in this case, they don't have to get their license. Uh, they can, and it's good if they do, but they don't have to. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and they get to learn both real estate and entrepreneurship at the same time. Because once again, being a real estate agent, you're a contractor. You're just going from one commission mm-hmm. to another. You're a salesperson like I, I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being a business owner is a whole different ball game. And a lot of agents think they are business owners, but they're not. Um, so right. if you actually, you are an agent, you want to be a business owner, become a real estate, uh, a property guys franchisee. But in which case, you actually own your business, you can grow your business, mm-hmm. you can delegate, and you can sell your business eventually mm-hmm. uh, for a lot more than what you got it for initially. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And so the what you got it for initially, uh, straight up, uh, a franchise is usually between 50 and 75K. So it's actually not bad uh, for mm-hmm. a business that can range between half a million to a million dollar in revenue per year. Um, but currently in Massachusetts, it is actually made even more affordable between 35 and 40K. Uh, to you know, help out the the first few franchisees. We're gonna do that until we reach probably a threshold of eight or ten, um, and um, and even the ongoing uh, uh, operating capital is not that high. It it is very low overhead, relatively speaking, um, because you don't need to hire anyone. You don't need to get an office or a store or anything like that. So all those large expenses you don't have to. We do, as I mentioned earlier, provide lead generation, website, and so on. So really your operating capital goes to your, you know, everyday expenses, Wi-Fi and phone and, and car and so on. Um, and marketing advertising of all kinds, mm-hmm. you know, it can be online, offline, can be flyers, you can do door to door, you can do social media, mm-hmm. you can do podcasts, you can do networking and so on and so forth. So see what works best in your market, but the majority of your expenses are uh, some kind of advertising. Right. And how much can they make when spending, let's say, around about 50K? What is the projection? Obviously, it's a broad question, but, you know, what yeah. is around about the projection that they can make in revenue? So it, it's tough to say for multiple reasons. So first off, uh, the, so the um, liquid capital, basically what you need initially to own your territory, your franchise, and to operate it, we're basically looking for people who have access to uh, between 60 and 100K, all included, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, what am I saying? Sorry, not 60, uh, 80 to 100 in, in that range mm-hmm. um, to own and, and to operate. Uh, just to clarify on that point, then uh, the how much, it can go as low as, you know, someone who is actually not working, not not following the, the processes, not following the operating capital, uh, the, the operational operation manual, sorry, I'm mixing my words. Um, and so in which case, you know, they can make, I don't know, 100, 200. It's really as your business owner, you know, it's whatever you, you, right. you put in the business mm-hmm. of effort. However, how high, I think it can go as high as between uh, one and uh, 1.2, 1.3 million in revenue a year. Uh, and typically, again, this is not contractual, just to give you an idea. Right. Typically right. the profit margin can range between, you know, 25 and, and 40%. Uh, oh, wow. profit. Depending on the cases, the reason why it's a large uh, range is because, so first off, we have about 100 franchisees right now um, active and we've had hundreds over the years. They all do things slightly differently in the sense of some are more hands-on. 
So they do mm -hmm. less numbers. They do maybe 70 or 80 or 90 listings a year, um, but they have a larger profit margin because they are doing more, more things themselves. They might be doing the showings themselves. They might be taking pictures themselves because they want to and they like it. Mm -hmm. uh, others are more business-minded, more business-oriented. They actually hire some people. They actually um, you know, work more on reaching 150 listings a year and also working with buyers and with renters, which we can do, um, and maybe expanding to a second and a third territory very quickly. Um, and so in which case, yeah, they have a smaller profit margin, but that's usually when they reach much larger you know, numbers. Um, so. Mm -hmm. It's, it's equivalent, um, uh, sorry, not equivalent, it's uh, customizable for, from one franchise right. to another. And that's, that's one of the cool things. You have an operation manual, you have things that you have to do, but how you customize your own franchise to your skills and experience and desires, um, uh, mm -hmm. it, it is up to you, which is, uh, which is nice. And are you guys open to other states uh, having franchise, franchisees yeah. from other states? If somebody is in Florida and is listening to that and want to give you a call would you guys be open to that absolutely we are indeed open in, in florida actually florida oh, Texas, okay. and, and connecticut yeah it actually started in florida the thing is uh the model is slightly different in florida in florida and texas it's not someone mm -hmm. like me who's uh doing this business development however if anyone is interested in any of those states so massachusetts that's where i am virtually mm -hmm. uh connecticut uh florida and texas uh, definitely reach out to me and I will, you know, I will help you with the initial information and then direct you to, to the right people. No problem. Uh, as I mm -hmm. said, we're one big family. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and if it's someone from another state, because after some podcasts, I have people reach out from Washington, from California. Absolutely, you can reach out and um, uh, there are ways to, to do it. The thing is, first, there need to be someone like me who either opened the whole state or part of the state. Uh, so uh, basically purchase the right on X number of franchise, you know, 10, 50, 100, um, and, mm -hmm. and then he's in charge to, to, to do the business development to find franchisee. But in which case, and it, it is a really fun job, but in which case, if you, you know, purchase the right on 10 or 20 franchise, you actually can open one or two uh, of them yourself. You can have this double hat right. of being a franchisee right. in the best territories and then, you know, finding neighboring franchisee. I would even argue mm -hmm. uh, that it is probably the best way to develop a state is to be an, uh, a franchise developer like me and a franchisee at the same time, if you have the guts, the energy to do so. Because if I, if I had done this, um, we probably would have grown a lot faster. Mm. Yeah, because mm. you, you bringing some local numbers, I would know exactly, you know, as a franchisee, you know, um, uh, how many listings I would get, you know, per month and, and, and some good reviews and some referrals and so on. So. I would get that traction that then, uh, you know, more people would want to, uh, to, to, to acquire a franchise after seeing my number. Mm. Unfortunately, mm. as I mentioned, you know, uh, my wife getting her PR just recently for Canada, not even for, for the US yet. It is not uh, for now an option for me, but I, I am considering it in the future. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for sharing all that, man. I was just curious because I'm, you know, I've done some, some deals in real estate here and there, and I was just curious to see how it works. So, I hope someone who is listening or watching this will um, will also get some value. So when I'm listening and watching you, I'm like, that's a happy man. You know, <laughs> he's in a good place. He's happy. He's, he's in peace. Was it always like this or not always like this? Have you had some challenges in your, in your journey, also in your entrepreneurial journey? 
Of course, we, we, we all do. And thank you once again. I, uh, even at midnight, I'm glad that, that I have that aura, I guess. <laughs> um, but, Absolutely, uh, you do. We, 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 we have challenges in the journey. I have challenges right now. I have stuff that sometimes might keep me up at night. Um, mm. and, uh, and, but I mean, at the end of the day, and again, it's going to be cliche, but it's not about where you end up. It's about the journey, you know, uh, when we mm. talk about uh, entrepreneurship. So I'm enjoying the journey. Uh, and I'm also working. So, okay, let me actually repeat this. First, when you're starting a business, you have to expect to have, pardon the expression, uh, shit hit the fan. You know, you, you're mm -hmm. going to have mm -hmm. some, some, again, mistakes and challenges and things and some, you know, big stuff to deal with. So you have to know that up front and be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, with having mm -hmm. to deal with those. Um, secondly, I think the biggest skill besides sales um, which, um, yeah, besides sales, the biggest skill is to, to, to take decisions quickly and to, to deal, to, uh, to fight fires, you know, to deal with problems right. that arise and find solution quickly and, and well. Um, and I think this is a skill that you can develop and you develop as being an entrepreneur, just like you develop as being a father, you know, uh, or, you know, a mother, a parent, uh, just like, you know, in some situation that teaches you how to solve problems quickly and often, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so uh, my point being, you know, as you're learning this, as you're growing as a person, as you're focusing on growing as a person, on learning, on uh, not on not making mistakes and not failing, because mm -hmm. you might fail. I might fail tomorrow. I might lose my businesses. Mm -hmm. Big deal. You know, do it again. <laughs> or maybe I'll have to find my first job uh, for a while and then start my next business. It's not a big deal. At the end of the day, nothing mm -hmm. is a big deal <laughs> in this life. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can always bounce back. So be comfortable with, with this, not knowing what, the, what tomorrow uh, uh, will bring. Focus on what you can control. You cannot control what's going to happen tomorrow. You cannot control on, you know, uh, uh, how the business is doing besides specific things where you actually can press, you know, press the lever and press this button. Um, uh, and pull the lever, sorry, and press this button. That's where, you know, if you narrow down your attention and your focus on those things, it's actually very freeing because you know that those other things are out of your control. Uh, am I going to get this client? We're bidding on a huge client right now for teammates, actually. Uh, we're talking 2.5 million a year. That's going to be, to be you know, next level. Mm -hmm. um, and are they going to accept or not? There is lots of bids. There are lots of you know, uh, other companies. This is not in our control. So why stress about that? What I tell my manager and my business partner, Focus on let's make the, you know, crush, crunch the numbers in the best manner, make the best, you know, bid, send it to them on time. And, and that's it. And then it's out of, mm -hmm. you know, our end. So all of that to come back to you, your, your point is if you focus on, um, on what you can control, on enjoying the journey, on growing, on learning, and you focus on being happy, that's how mm -hmm. you're going to reach success. That's actually the point of uh, the book that I mentioned earlier, The Happiness Advantage. Uh, which is mm. reversing the equation instead of reaching us, looking to reach this level of success to be happy, but then there is always the next one and the next one, uh, mm. reaching this threshold. Actually work on yourself to be happy, whatever makes you happy, makes you content, makes you grateful and satisfied. You know, it can be your spirituality, your religion, your family, your kids, uh, your environment and so on. If you work on this, you're actually more likely to reach certain levels of success because you already have um, the right mindset and, and environment. In my case, it is traveling with my wife, 
you know, mm. the world. I really enjoy it. So it almost, that's why I'm saying it, it almost doesn't matter if uh, one of my business fail or I have such and such failure because I have the right environment um, and, uh, and I'm not putting all my eggs into, is my business going to, am I going to get this bid? For example, mm-hmm. does, does that mm-hmm. make sense? I don't know if that was 100%. 100%. I love what you're saying. And, um, you know, when I was listening to you again, it came uh, one of the great books that I I don't I don't usually like to re- recommend books because then people have expectations and some book that, you know, resonated with or I resonated with might not leave the same same uh, experience for someone else but in this case one book that reminded me of what you just said is gap in the gain by dan sullivan is a great great book and is all about focusing on the gain instead of the gap you know because when you're focused on the gap then the horizon always keeps expanding and um, so you're chasing gap and the gain yes and the gain dan sullivan check it out Thank you. Dan Sullivan and uh, Ben Hardy. So, yeah, that's a great book. I was listening to the audio book and reading the, the uh, paper copy. So I, You just reminded me of another book that I do recommend, mm-hmm. unrelated with everything we talked about. Do you mm-hmm. love me? <laughs> do you love me? Okay. No, do you allow me? That. No, no, no. I'm asking you, do you allow me? Of course. Me sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> do you love me? <laughs> um, the, this other book is um, Seven Levels of Communication by uh, Michael mm. J. Myers. I read it a bunch okay. of times. Uh, and it's excellent for um, uh, to teach you how to grow a business based on relationships, on networking. Mm. So it actually it is a, a, a really cool story. You know, basically it's a, a bunch of very applicable advice and, and tips and so on. Um, embedded in a really cool story, very easy read. Um, it takes the example of a, a realtor, but it's really applicable for any kind of businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, highly recommend Seven Levels of Communication by Michael Jemayer. Awesome. I made the note because I'm all about communication. Becoming a podcaster also is like something that I truly want to improve on and I'm working on improving it because believe, I believe communication is the key to so many things. And... Um, we have a, or we, you know, we had a great communication, man, with you. This, um, I don't want to, I, I, we, we were going a bit over an hour. I could go for another hour, but um, I know oh, it's late for you. Or and we do episode two. Let's wait in 100%. six months or something. One 100%. Year, we'll, we'll bring you back because I feel there is your, your journey is so interesting. And there is so Thank much you. that we and our uh, and the audience can benefit from. So we'll definitely have you back on the on the podcast. By the way, you know who you who do you remind me of? I don't know if you know the guy or not. Of Karen course, you're way, no, 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 no. <laughs> of course, you're way uh, more good looking and more charismatic than him. But somehow <laughs> you remind me of him. There was a guy. I'm not. I'm not sure if you're into kickboxing and martial arts or not. But there was a guy. I was in, I was big into kickboxing. Also, um, did yeah. myself kickboxing. There was a guy, French guy actually. His name is Cyril Abidi. And oh, it sounds familiar. I don't think I know. He him, was but... a he- yeah, yeah. He was a heavyweight guy, but he was not not built for a heavyweight. <laughs> you know, he was competing with these guys that were way, way, way above his size. But he would go toe to toe, and he w- he would just not care. You know. He would yeah. go and give it all. And 
he would get knocked down he would get up knock the other guy down so i <laughs> i recommend you watching it on youtube cyril I'm, avidi i'm just like so, him but in the, in business and in sales exactly okay i exactly. just go for it <laughs> <laughs> you just go for it 100% so thank you so much man i really appreciate you coming on at this this um time of the day or time of the night my pleasure from from the other side of the world and you know people like you make what we what we build and this podcast and this show valuable and i know there is much value of what you just shared with us that people can hear and um benefit from thank you so much for being thank here thank you no honestly it's been a pleasure uh, thank you for for having me it was a pleasure chatting with you um but also uh what i'd like to you know highlight to people is that um wherever you are because i know we're talking you know specifically north america but it, i i think it's something that you can you can do anywhere i mean in in my case i immigrated to canada then another city in canada i didn't know anyone now i have a business in in the us in a you know in a state where i went twice um but you know i'm you know still able to do it so it is not you know exactly uh, uh being an immigrant i mean it is uh, in some sort but at the end of the day you know we're putting you know labels and we're putting you know some extra challenges um when nowadays i think things have been made so easy to start a business in so many countries even here in malaysia i could mm. i looked into it i know i could start a business very you know fairly easily um i just don't have the time uh but a- anywhere you are the borders you know have uh, have fallen <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of business it's just so easy to communicate to market to uh, to to have meetings you know remotely and and so on and so forth that i highly recommend anyone who want to start their first business to give it a go don't overthink it just go mm-hmm. ahead and learn on 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 the spot so that's the best school for entrepreneurship it's just by doing and potentially failing and then doing again so that that would be my biggest advice and anyone who wants to reach out to talk about entrepreneurship to talk about property guys um uh in my session set specifically or any kind of franchise whatever don't hesitate to reach out on linkedin just put my name and be the only one with this name you'll find me easily uh and uh, i'd be happy to uh, to help in any way i can awesome i couldn't have said better what you just said about starting and getting started and i believe we're living in a in a uh, time that is so easy to start a business if you have the right mindset and you know yeah. if you're a little just a little risk taker because obviously it takes some risk yeah. and um, so we will definitely link you up in the show notes people can reach out and find you and um, thank you. connect with you and yeah man again thank you so much for coming on the show whoever listens or is watching this please give us a like and subscribe to the show and share it with other because um that's how we get <laughs> that's how we get the word out we don't sell advertise we don't you know we we don't have anyone who is funding this project everything is bootstrapped so the only thing that we ask from you is to share it with other people so we can get the word out and they get the benefit in one way or another so karim once again thank you so much for coming on the show and i look forward to bringing you back and hearing more about your story sometime in the future Thank, Thank you, you so much. much, Ali. Thank you.